Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. I want to invite the rest of you to stay standing for our sermon lesson this morning, which comes from Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read verses 25 through 30. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, devices, or follow along with the words on the screen. This is Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of God. Would you please be seated? When two people meet one another for the very first time and they introduce themselves, saying their names and shaking their hands, what is the very next question that gets asked? Statistically speaking, it's, so what do you do? And it makes sense, right? Our jobs are important to us. Our work is important to us. The companies we work for are valued by us. But is what we do maybe becoming too important? Consider this comparison. It's no secret. Everybody knows that for the last several years, really the last decades, that the importance or the value that the majority of Christians are placing on the Christian church and faith is beginning to decline. And yet, at that same time, people are beginning to incline in how they value and how they see work. No longer do people look to the church to find a personal foundation or meaningful relationships or a sense of well-being, but people are starting to look for those things in work. In short, we're, we're starting to look for our jobs to give us things that well, our jobs were never intended to give us. But it hasn't always been that way. Throughout the history of the world, that's not always how we have thought of work. For the majority of the world's history across cultures, work has been, well, just that, work. Something that is physically and oftentimes emotionally burdening. 
People would plant seeds and then they would harvest crops. They would build barns and then from dawn to dusk, they would go and work to bring in that food, not getting paid necessarily for it, but just having the things they needed for life. People in cities would manufacture goods, whether clothing or otherwise, and then they would sell them or trade them for other things that they needed to survive. For many people throughout history, work wasn't something that you liked or even loved. It was just what you did to survive, to provide for your friends or your family. But as cultures advanced and technology advanced, Something got invented that, well, is rather important with the whole work conversation. It's called leisure time or free time. And at first, this was only afforded to people who could afford it, people who did so well in the work category that they could afford to take time off. But more and more, as technology advanced and culture advanced, this leisure time or rest was afforded to more and more people. With the invention of the printing press, now everyday people could read. With the invention of electricity, now everyday people could spend time, get this, after sunset, pursuing meaningful hobbies. With the industrial revolution, gone was this idea of working sun up to sundown. Instead, there's a 40-hour work week. Then came the internet, and now all of us have available to us endless, endless hours of entertainment. And you really think about it. it. It is a blessing. It is a blessing that we no longer live in a time and place where we work hundreds of hours a week only to then die at the age of 40. But we have so much leisure and free time afforded to us because of where we live and the place in history in which we live. People throughout time and history would be envious of all the time we have to spend with family and friends, all of the hobbies that we can pursue, meaningful and good hobbies, and all of the th things that we have afforded to us, entertainment to enjoy in our free time and our leisure. And yet, what do we do with our free time? Statistically speaking, we work. It's almost backwards and in some ways ironic, but we work. In the United States of America, year in and year out, we place the top five in the most workaholic nations in the world. We work and chip away at all of the to-do lists. How? using the very technology and advancements, we thought we're going to provide so much free time. Here's a fun fact. Tomorrow morning, before you go to work, did you know half of the working adults in this room are going to already start working, even in a place where they're supposed to be sleeping? Yeah, over half of the working adults here this morning are going to check their phones, check into work, check their email, even before they get out of bed. Can you believe that? I can, because I've done that. I've done that before. And this is where the rubber really hits the road. We start to look to work to provide things that it was never intended to give. We start to look for our jobs to be not only meaningful, but also fun. 
We look for our jobs to provide things for us, to provide not only advancement and well-being and opportunities and education, but things like travel, even things like friends. We want to work for a company that has values that align with our values. Is it any surprise that we have come to define ourselves by what we do? Statistically speaking, half the working adults in America would agree with the statement that I define myself by my job, my job title, or the company that I work for. Work is not just something that we do. Work, our jobs, has become a thing that is us. It is who we are. We've given into the lie that I am what I do. But you see, our work, our jobs, they're, they're not as strong as a foundation as we'd like to think that they are. Whether you love your job or you maybe don't love your job, whether you're really, really good at your job or work is an area in which you struggle, whether you have a job or not, if we look to our work, to our job, and if you're not working right now, you're calling in life, whatever it is you do, if you look to this to provide you with things, it was never intended to give validation, identity, self-worth, you're only going to end up in one place. I mean, think about it. E either you love your job, you have a dream job, the job you've always wanted, and you are absolutely killing it in that job. Let's say you are making just good money there, or, or maybe it's not even about the money, but it is a job in which you have the respect and the love and the admiration of your peers, or maybe it's even more altruistic than that. You have a job in which you know and you sense that you're just providing value in the world. Let's say that's you, and you're working at this job, and if that is you, good for you, God bless you, but what if you believe the lie that I am what I do? Well, it's no secret that very soon you'll believe that if work is good and I do good at work, well, then I must be really good. I must be successful. I must be gifted. I must be tremendously talented. After all, I have all this good and I deserve all this good. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Facts only. You're not going to be in that job forever. Either you're going to get fired or let go, or that company you work for is not always going to exist. Let's take this to its logical end here. It's not always going to get, exist eternally, or newsflash, one day you're going to retire. One day you're going to die. And if all you've been doing throughout your life is defining yourself based on what you do, the performance that you have, the job, well, who are you? when you're hardly working. If you're not hard at work, you're hardly anybody. Even if you love your job, if you have a bad stretch of days, weeks, or months, then who are you? Well, you're bad. And, and this is if you love your job. Now let's talk about the fact if you maybe don't love your job or you have a job where, where you're not sure if it's providing value to you or providing value to the world or if you are struggling to find work. What then? 
Well, you end up in the same place. You end up restless. You end up feeling, sensing, meaningless. If you think that you just have a so-so job and you believe the lie that I am what I do, well, then who are you? You're just so-so. If you believe the lie that I am what I do and you don't think that you provide value to the world or, or to those around you, then what do you tell yourself? I must not matter. Do you see the futility of the lie? Do you see why it is problematic to believe that I am what I do, that my work, my job defines my life? And that's just professionally. Can we talk personally for a second? Can we talk about who you are as a husband, a father, a mother, a wife, a child, a student, an athlete, a musician, what you do as a hobbyist or in any other area of your life? Yo, you already know that life, life has chaos, busyness, and hardship. And because of those things, oftentimes in the things we do personally, we experience failure. And if you are what you do and you fail as a mother or a wife, a father or a husband, a sister or a brother, a child, a student, an athlete, a musician, or in whatever you do, well, then who are you? Who are you but a failure or a disappointment? You see the lie. And we haven't even talked spiritually yet, so let's go there. What happens if you believe the line that I am what I do and you have had spiritual and moral failings? You have done something wrong or, or failed to do something that's right and you have damaged relationships in your life. You've hurt others. What happens if you believe I am what I do and you do things like drugs and alcohol and porn and shopping and food in such excess that there's an addiction? What happens if you tell yourself, I am what I do, and all your life you have done everything you can to push people or people groups out of your life by being combative and critical and judgmental? I don't think I, I need to tell you there's enough shame, there's enough guilt to go around for all of us. You see, the problem with the lie that I am what I do so if you are what you do and you've done something wrong or failed or done something that incurs shame or guilt or regret, here's the real question. What do you do? What do you do? This is where I love the gospel. What do you do? Jesus tells you to stop doing he tells you to stop doing and start resting. If you believe the lie that I am what I do and in your professional life, you are struggling to do things right. If you have ever believed the lie that I am what I do and in your personal life, you have failed to do the things that you want. If you have ever believed the lie that I am what I do and you have done something that has brought about shame, guilt, or regret, then let these words sink in. Jesus said them. Um, in our lesson, which we read earlier this morning, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Just let this words from Jesus sink into you for a second and get 
past the seeming feelings of patheticness that you read in that and just see how much freedom that that statement has. Stop viewing it as a negative. Start seeing it as a positive. And what you see is there is so much beauty and much freedom that your God is giving you in this. Not only can you do things with him, well, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, what he means is with me, you can do everything according to my good, glorious, and perfect will. Oh, but also with me, with me, you who are burned out, petered out, performancists, who do, 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 and do some more, we finally start to see that there is rest for your soul. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. If by chance you had a miserable day at work, and you look ahead to your Monday and the week ahead, and it doesn't look more promising, what these words, words from Matthew chapter 11, mean for you, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, What they mean is, no matter what burden you have, you can take it to him. You can take it to him because he has carried your biggest burdens, your burdens of sin up a hill called Calvary, and there he left them buried, gone from you, and now he invites you, saying, come to me. (laughs) What else do you got? (laughs) Bring it to me, and I will give you rest. You have a Savior. You have a Savior who looks at you and looks at your life, and as you look at things, little or small, and and maybe, and so often they are, small things that frustrate you and exhaust you and leave you feeling paralyzed, your God says, bring that to me. Bring that to me because I do not add to your frustration. I do not add to your exhaustion, but I subtract. I take things away. I take away your sin. I take away your hardships. I take away your moral failings that we call sins. I take away everything that separates you from me. And I'm telling you to come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and broken, and I will give you rest. You know, maybe it's been a tough year. Maybe it's been a tough past couple of years. You try and try and try to get traction in your life to do something that changes the way things are so that you are better, so that you are doing well. But you can't. You can't seem to get any footing. And so you ask your friends, your colleagues, your family to help you in an area, but they're too busy to help because they are doing their own things. And so you get after it. You paddle, 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 and out to sea. And it seems every time you get out there, you just get splashed by a wave. And sometimes you get splashed so hard, you end up back on the beach planted in the sand. What these words mean to you, What Jesus is saying to you is, come, all of you who are exhausted, all of you who are broken, and look. I do not define you by your past performance. I do not love you based on your past worth. What I do is this. I carry you. I carry you, all who are broken, all you who are weary, all of you who think you're a disappointment, 
and I walk with you all the way, and I tell you to come, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I know, I know exactly how it is. Some of you have decided that this is the year. This is the year where you're going to stop living the way you have been, where you're really going to change things, and you're going to be a better husband. You're going to be a better wife. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be a better church member, a better community citizen. You're, you're going to stop doing the things that you don't want to do, and you're going to start doing the things you know you should. You are going to care more. You're going to give more. You're going to pray more. You're going to read more. You're even going to memorize passages of scripture more than you've given in a few months, maybe a few weeks, or maybe it's just a few days, and you end up back in the exact same place. This is what I pray that you see in Jesus' words to you. When he says to you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give rest, rest for your souls, what he's letting you know is this, is that Christianity and the idea of following Christ, it is not about you, and the pressure to do that is not on you. Jesus is not giving you in the gospel some command that says, you need to hold on tight to me. He's doing the exact opposite. He is the one holding tight to you, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what your past performance has looked like, spiritually, emotionally, personally or professionally, he says, come here, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a lie. It is a lie that I am what I do. So here's the truth. You are not defined by the things that you do. You are defined by whom you go to for rest. You are not defined by the things that you do. You are defined. Your image, your self-worth is based on the one to whom you go for rest. Look, work was never meant to give us things that it was never intended to give. And so if you go to work, to your job, or to whatever your calling is in life, and you're looking to receive validation, you're looking to receive fulfillment, you're never going to be fulfilled spiritually, and you're never going to be fulfilled personally, at least for very long. Your work, your job does not care about your self-image. It doesn't create your self-image. But Jesus, your Savior, your Maker, your Redeemer, and your friend, the one who says to you, come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, I'm going to give you rest, he fulfills you in every way. He fulfills you emotionally. He fulfills you personally. And he does that by filling you up first and foremost spiritually. And he says, seek first my kingdom and, and all my righteousness. And I'm, I'm going to give you everything else. He fulfills you by validating who you are in the waters of baptism. He calls you to be his very own daughter, his very own son. And he says, I am yours and you are mine. How's that for identity? He says, I care so much about your self-image and your self-worth that I came for you. And I am coming for you still through these words, through my word that says, come to me, all you who are broken, weary, burdened, tired out, putered out, and burnt out, and I'm going to give you rest. Look, this, this lie, among all the lies that we are going to unpack during the month of October, this one's personal. You know, maybe, 
Maybe it's just because of the way I'm wired. Maybe it's because I love my job. But I don't know. There's this real, real temptation to define myself by what I do. And I know I'm not unique in that. I know many, many of you feel the exact same way. And so this week, this week as I thought about this message, I really prayed. I really prayed and thought about, Lord, how, how can we connect this message? How can I connect the message of the truth? That, that people are not defined by what they do, but they are defined by whom they find their rest in. How can I speak that to people with clarity so they live with all of the freedom and all of the meaning that you give? You know what I came up with? I'm going to stop trying so hard. (laughs) What I came up with is that I'm going to stop and instead I'm just going to let God's words, words from scripture which fill us, wash over us. And I'm going to speak some words to you. And what you're going to do is speak some words to me. What I thought we'd do this morning is read God's word to one another. Would you join me in that? What I've done is I've listed a series of passages. I have seven of them. It it used to be 16, but I cut it down because I thought you wanted to go to lunch at some point today. But what I have here are seven passages from God's word, seven wonderful, amazing, life-giving passages that help us totally flip the script on the lie that I am what I do. You want to start reading them with me? The first one is from Titus chapter three. It goes like this. You want to read with me? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is truth. This is trustworthy. You are not defined by the righteous things that you do. You're defined by the mercy of your God. Here's the next one. It's from 2 Corinthians 3. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Not only does salvation come from our God, not only does forgiveness come from our God, but your competence, your ability, your capability to do anything, it comes from God. And so this one makes good sense from Galatians 6. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. We boast so much. Maybe it's more like humble brags about how busy we are or about the work that we do, but we boast all the time. But may our boast never be except in the cross of Christ. You might say, oh, these are all from the New Testament, Matt. What does the Old Testament say about this? Well, good, I'm glad you asked. This is Exodus chapter 33. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. In Psalm 116, King David speaks to his soul, and he says this, Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. 
How beautiful is that? The Lord has been good. And so Romans 7, Paul writes, for anyone who has ever struggled with what they do spiritually, and this is what he says, Romans chapter 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. One more. This is Jesus. This is Jesus on the cross. And in John 19, he said this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. There it is. It's finished. It's done. You are not defined by what you do. You are defined by the one to whom you go for rest. And you have a savior who says, come to me and I will give you rest. It is finished. It is done. It is over. You need to do nothing to get right with me, but I am yours and you are mine. Look, I told you this was personal. And the reality is, if you're like me, we are going to struggle with restlessness the rest of our lives. But St. Augustine put it so well. He said, our souls will be restless until they find rest in the Lord. And so this is my prayer for all of you. This is my prayer for all of us who are weary and burdened, broken, and feeling like failures or disappointments in any area of life. My prayer is that you know this that you know that the message of the gospel is God's words coming to you, not demanding you to do more or be more or try harder. But God's word is not for good people who work hard. It's for bad people. It's for bad people who have failed again and again and again and again, fallen back on the forgiving mercy of our Lord and Savior. My prayer for you is this that you know that the gospel is good news. It is not good advice on how you can work harder to try to achieve some more moralistic life. It is good news. It is good news that gives hope for the hopeless and points sinners. It points sinners who are petered out and worn out performances back to the fruit of the cross where there is rest for your soul. That's my prayer for you. And so here... I just have one more question for you. The next time that you meet somebody and you're introducing one another, saying your names and shaking your hands, and they ask you, so what do you do? What will you say? We say, hi, I'm Matt and I do nothing because it's finished. I'm a redeemed child of God. Will you say, hi, I'm, I'm Jonathan, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know what I do because the good things I want to do, I don't do, and the bad things I don't want to do, these I keep on doing. But thanks be to God, <laughs> he gives me the victory through my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. We say, hi, I'm so-and-so, and well, I just rest. I just rest in the one who gives rest for my soul. I doubt that any of you might actually introduce yourselves to people that way, but that's the truth. That is who you are. 
You are not defined by what you do. You are not defined by what you do professionally, personally, or spiritually. Your image and your self-worth is defined by the one to whom you go for rest. Jesus, your Savior, who has done all things for you. Amen.